Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs, produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. My name is Ross Drakes and I'm your host. And I'm here today with Leslie Vartakane, the Group CEO of CWDI. Thank you for joining us, Leslie. It's a pleasure, Ross. Lovely to be here. Um, we always ask this podcast, we start this podcast with the first question, which is um, give us your elevator pitch. <laughs> so CWDI is a global agency that inspires connections. We, are a, um, we want to solve business challenges with creative solutions. And now we just want to do cool work and do have brand experiences with big brands. What is a business challenge? I mean, what does that mean in, in your world? So um, companies come to us that are looking to solve their business challenges. Their business challenge can be anything. How do we position ourselves as a thought leader in the market? How do we ensure that we you know, connecting with the right customers? How do we ensure that we are, you know, being visible and grow our brand? So there are various challenges that we address on a daily basis. And, you know, through the marketing spectrum, we look to solve those challenges, whether it is an event, whether it's an activation, whether it's a campaign, whether it's an internal marketing campaign. So all of those um, creative solutions are part of our little toolbox and we decide which one is the best suited to the client and then we obviously you know design the campaign accordingly so you've got quite a wide range of services how did you how did you end up here i mean what what path does one take to end up where you you are at so i started colorworks 20 years ago as very much a color printing company color printing in those days was expensive and um you know people had to buy or invest in expensive machines. So we did that for them. And we got involved very much in the financial services sector because people were on the radar flight and uh, wanted their presentations to look good. So we got involved in that. And I think because we, we lived by three qualities in those days, and that was we were efficient. So even if you phoned us at six o'clock at night, we would get your presentation done for you. We were fast and we delivered a quality service. And we kind of became known for that. And um, as the company grew, so those brands would say, well, you know, if you can do that, can you not help us with this? And can you not then design that? So the first employees that I then employed was a designer to just help um, tailor make the presentations and obviously just make them look better. And then from there, it was um, we added on the events and activations side of things. So the company grew organically because um, you know that's our clients kind of demanded it. Okay, and I mean, so you've come all the way from printing to to where you are today. Um, yeah. What are, What are your favorite parts of your business, and and which parts do you wish you didn't have to deal with? <laughs> that's such a great question, Ross. Um. So I think having had the business now for 20 years, we've had to refine along the way. And, you know, we've had to be very agile and move with the times. You know, we, we live in a digital world now. People are obsessed with their phones. They're obsessed with the digital environment. So how could we, and, you know, there was a massive, um, as you know, 
everybody was a digital agency and everybody was, you know, going digital. So we had to be, you know, quite um, specific in and contrarian actually in our approach where everybody was going digital. We were saying, no, hold on. You know, there's still opportunities to connect people. I mean, loneliness is, is almost becoming an epidemic now. People don't know how to connect with each other. They don't know how to, you know, um, talk to each other properly. I mean, you see these children at school sitting next to each other and, I mean, they're literally, you know, connecting on their phones rather than face-to-face. So that's why we've had to also be agile and look at the market in different ways. And uh, that's why our vision now is to be that global agency that inspires connections. Because at the end of the day, it's those connections, those actual human experiences that I think are going to be so important. And that's why we've been quite contrarian. But there's nothing that I can say to you now that about my business that I don't like. I mean, in the early days, you know, we had to test and we had to see um, what was going to work for us. But now I think we've refined our model in such a way that I love every aspect of my business. I mean, from the activations to the design, to to the marketing and events, um, I must say we offer that full suite, but it, it really is quite satisfying. That's amazing. So, so you want to kind of buck the trend of everyone going digital and going online and do something a little bit more tangible and a little bit more physical. Do you... Do you still support that with digital? Totally. So definitely using digital, you know, for RSVP systems or, you know, obviously to connect in events, at events, using online voting systems, using those kind of digital platforms. But at the end of the day, really getting people together and physically interact with each other and with big brands. So, um, yeah, so that's really important to us. Okay. Now, I mean, you've been going 20 years. Like, how do you... How do you keep yourself engaged and, and coming back for more after two decades of, of the, 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 the slog? As <laughs> yeah, as it were. Now, I think, you know, we've had to reinvent ourselves a couple of times. And I think, you know, having a smaller business has allowed us to be that we've obviously had to follow trends. We've had to ensure that we remain relevant and, you know, move our business Two years ago, we weren't doing activations. Last year, for example, we probably did about 35 activations, which is slightly different to an event. So you need a a different set of skills and a different um, set of tools. So we've used, you know, some of the things that we've learned and we continuously learn and grow. One of the EO values that I love is that, you know, continuously learn and grow. And that's something that we've installed and instilled in our, in our staff so that we can ensure that we are remaining relevant at all times. And have you kept the same staff throughout this or are you having to sort of staff, like change your staffing strategies as your business evolves and changes? So we've grown a lot. Um, you know, my, um, my Exco team has been very, very stable. I, my MD, Janine, has been with us now for 14 years. So she's also really grown with the business. Um, but yes, we've had to, you know, hire some other specialists in other fields, um, people that are a little bit more familiar with the activation side of the business, obviously more designers. So every, as we've grown and, you know, we've had to ensure that we're hiring correctly for, you know, where we want to be as a business as well. Cool. And I mean, how have you kept your skills sort of relevant as, as things change? So... I think, you know, it's been very much um, a a journey for me. And I know this is such a cliche, but from working in the business to working on the business, I'm really 
just responsible now for the vision, for the strategy. I don't really get in, involved in, you know, the client service side. I probably visit clients now once or twice a year just to do surveys and check up on them. But I very much work in, um, you know, on the business and make sure that we are, you know, going in the right direction. We have a beautiful document that we recently designed and it's called a, a stay in your lane document. So my whole Exco team have their, um, their portfolios and you know we all kind of stay in our lanes as it were and make sure that we are executing on so i'm responsible for the vision of the business for the strategy for the marketing um for you know the decision making and the direction that the business is going to take and then obviously for mergers and acquisitions and any way that we can grow the business into the global agency that we want to see it um one day so the stay in your lane document is this is this to, so you can kind of call each other out if you start treading into somebody else's territory um how, how does that work and, and accountability you know so so you know that that's your lane and we're going to hold you accountable for that and and totally ross you know often in a small team you know there's lots of duplication and there's crossovers and and now we have absolute clarity i mean one of the things that i did learn on on rla which i was very fortunate to go to uh, last year in Amsterdam was that you know um, clarity of vision and certainty of intent, and I've really brought that into the business so that you know we are all clear on our roles and you've got to execute, and then we hold each other accountable to that. And how does that accountability work for you? What does that look like in in the team? So we have um, a strategy scorecard, and everybody is um, kind of rated on that, and we meet. Um, some from a performance point of view twice a year just to ensure that we are staying on track and we report back on where we are in terms of each and each one of our kpis is weighted and that goes towards your bonus policy goes towards you know your earnings and then also ensures that you are executing on what you um, said you were going to execute on okay and now you announced some amazing news of a huge merger. Uh, was that your deal that you put together? Can you kind of check that through a little bit? Yeah, thanks, Ross. Um, you know, five years ago, I had the dream of having a Johannesburg um, branch. And I've tried various things. First of all, I employed somebody there and that failed dismally. Um, then I sent a senior member of the Cape Town team there and that actually survived for a while until I think she actually just got lonely. Um, and she was there for about eight or nine months, did quite well. I didn't lose as much money second time around as I did the first time around. But at the end of the day, she also left, which was a big loss for us. Then um, I tried again, um, employing two people, I think, at the same time, you know, much more senior role and somebody um, in the actually from the industry. But sadly, um, that failed again. So then I actually joined EO Joburg, which was <laughs> yeah, no, which was like okay, now let me really see what I'm gonna how I'm gonna do this. And I think you know, as a as an entrepreneur, it is kind of that never give up and never say die. And you you know, I, I really realized I couldn't scale this business with um, without a Joburg branch. A lot of our clients are in Joburg. They were starting to demand you know a team in Johannesburg. So my my um, strategy had to change and. And I then decided to look for a company that would be very similar to us, potentially add more services than us and, you know, complement us um, and sort of almost make that circle bigger. And, you know, by committing to 
coming to Joburg once a month, but then spending a couple of days there, I eventually found the right partner. And we've now done the merger and I'm very, very excited. So instead of just having one or two people, we now have 15 people on the ground in Johannesburg. It's been uh, it's been quite a process, you know, finding the right culture fit, finding the right person to be a, a partner. And I'm absolutely delighted that uh, I can say it's so far so good. And, and um, I really think this is going to be a winner. So it goes to that, uh, you know, don't give up, keep trying, persevere, because I think eventually if you really do you know, stick to and you really want something badly enough, you know, you will get it. And I mean, so how did you merge these two cultures? Because you've got two completely separate entities and you're trying to bring them together. Um, and I suppose you're only bringing them together in a thought because there's a Cape Town team and a Johannesburg team. How have you navigated that um, that kind of minefield? So we have, um, we've actually just gone through what we call kickoff. So we brought the entire Johannesburg team down to Cape Town. We are a slightly um, bigger team here in Cape Town. Uh, we don't really see ourselves as a head office, but um, we are a bigger team. So the merger was based on a, on a share swap, on, on a ratio. And um, we brought them all down to Cape Town. We flew 15 of them here. They stayed here for two days and we did our kickoff where we shared best practices in each um, in each of these two centers and what the things we were going to adapt and how we were going to, you know, merge these two cultures, as you so put it so rightly. But, you know, when I found my partner, Sam, in Joburg, I knew immediately that, you know, we were both very aligned. And I think that that was what was so important. We were aligned in terms of what we wanted. Our values were aligned. And this process, um, you know, from a cultural point of view, I mean, yes, we're going to go through an integration. We've, we're going to be spending a lot of time in Joburg and they're going to be spending a lot of time here. But integration is definitely half on our agenda this year. But when we're not, we're not coming from two very separate, you know, sides of the coin. We're very similar and it's now just ensuring that we use both practices from both, both sides. Okay. And how did you, how did you go about the negotiations? Because often this stuff can be a terrible, a terrible um, nightmare. Uh, so you only how, did you, about, how did you do that? You only fight about two things, Ross, money and control. So okay. um, <laughs> once you put those two things to bed, then it actually becomes quite easy. So I think um, for me, remember, I sold 27% um, of ColorWorks uh, probably about three or four years ago. So I'd been through some of the pain already in getting an external BEE partner on board. That's been a massive success for me. So I do see myself as slightly the senior partner. I'm the CEO, so I do see myself as a senior partner. So I had to help Sam, you know, navigate some of those challenges, which luckily I had been through. And, um, you know, once we kind of identified where they would be, and I think it's all about communication and clarity, and that also builds trust. And once we got over that, then it actually it went pretty smoothly and went pretty quickly. Okay, so if somebody was like thinking about doing a merger, what sort of uh, kind of advice or tips would you give them um, based on your current experience? So definitely get a get an amazing lawyer. Okay, so we had an incredible lawyer that also guided us through the process because it can be pretty painful and it's and it's you know it's a lot of detail and you've got to protect yourselves and you, you know you've really got to be absolutely sure because when you put partners into the mix and um, you know you don't have the same end goal then I think that's where things can fall apart. But we really so hire a great lawyer. 
um, absolutely be clear on the financials and the due diligence and make sure that it's fair. So, you know, if you come in with X and I'm coming with Y, how do we how do we ensure that we split that fairly? And just communicate, communicate, communicate. If there's something on your mind and something you're not unsure of, make sure that, you know, you speak your mind and all your um, and all your fears. So I think, you know, you can be quite fearful in this process and, you know, that needs to be spoken through so that when when the deal is done, you want to lock that document, that, you know, 150-page document into a safe and never really ever refer to it again. But just make sure that all your T's are crossed and your I's are totted and, and you feel that you've covered everything. So lawyer and due diligence were, were definitely the two things that we did right. But you also, you knew up front that your kind of culture was a match and your values were a match. Did- Absolutely. And, and yeah, that was number one for me. Find the right partner. Don't do a deal with somebody. You know, you can't do a good deal with a bad person. So find the right partner that you know that you want a similar thing. And then you can navigate the hard things and talk about the hard things because those are the things that, you know, will trip you up. And, and so, so you, you've kind of now done this merger. Did your clients, care, like, did they care? Were they freaked out? What was it like kind of, you know, going back to them and telling them this? Because you're now kind of killing both brands and, and putting them together in a new brand, you know, so almost... So at the end of last year, we actually, um, I went face to face with um, every single one of our clients and I actually took a survey with that, with me and I asked them seven quite strategic questions and just, um, and then told them about the merger. And, and I think it was about more around what's in it for you. So now we're a 52% black woman owned business. So from a BEE point of view, that's huge points on their scorecard. So we ended up, you know, just in the one um on the one card, instead of being like giving them 10 or 12 points, we now end up giving them 22 points. So anybody in procurement who understands and that's important to them, this is a massive win for them. So I think we try to focus on, you know, why this was going to be amazing for them, up the value and lower the cost. So having a job um, operation now, there's less courier fees, there's somebody on the ground, you're going to have more face-to-face time and meetings. And, you know, I think they were really, really excited about it. And, yes, they did care. And I think we're bringing quite a lot to the table um, in terms of value to them. So we try to focus on that. I love that idea of up the value and lower the cost. Um, you know, then they, they seem to, to be very happy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, did you lose? Did you lose any clients in this deal, or did you do a, a, like a one hundred percent kind of return on them? Uh, Ross, we actually gained work. You know, we we pitched on a massive job at the beginning of this year, and I, I honestly, hand on heart, believe that we wouldn't have gone it had we not done this merger. And in fact, there's been other cross selling opportunities. You know, with the below the line um, agency for for PSG and for Alan Gray, and we've been able to have cross-selling opportunities um, because of the merger that I don't believe that we would have got uh, had we not done this. So it's really been amazing. Wow. Um, and, and was part of your, you know, because obviously BE is very important here in South Africa, but if you're looking to become a global organization, um, you know, it, it becomes less important as you leave the country. Was it high on your priority list when you were looking at this or it, was it just a happy coincidence? 
I think it was a happy coincidence. Um, you know, my uh, my partner in Johannesburg uh, is definitely the right person. She happens to come from a Chinese background, and she's deemed um, from a BEE point of view as part of the scorecard. So it was uh, definitely a happy coincidence. She was the right person, and and she she scores us the points. So we ticked both blocks. <laughs> that was very cool. <laughs> so we've got the black girl, the white girl, and the Chinese girl. I think there must be a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> so now tell me a little bit around um, your your sixty seven logos project. Uh, I mean, I know Tamron from an ex year staff member was one of the beneficiaries of this. Um, I'd love to to hear a bit more about that. Oh, Russ, that was you know it's, it was such a hard project. So how it stemmed and how it all came about was about two or three years ago, we always wanted to be involved in Madiba Day. And, and you know, he's been such an icon for this country and it was one of our CSR projects. And, um, you know, we always did our 67 minutes and collaborated with various companies. And But as I said, about two or three years ago, we um, we ended up going to a little school in Kailicha where, you know, we took them coloring in books and soccer balls and, you know, and fed them and, and did a, a, a little activation there, as it were. But at the end of the day, the hot dogs were finished, the balls were popped, the coloring in books were, were you know, colored in, and I actually felt quite empty. And I just thought to myself, you know, we can't just think that we can go and do this kind of thing for our 67 minutes or something that isn't going to make an impact and isn't going to add value. And I said I, I wanted to do something that was going to be much more meaningful than that. And being in the advertising and marketing industry, you know, we put our heads together and I said, what could be the one thing that we could give these small companies, you know, entrepreneurs that would be memorable and long lasting. And it was a logo. You know, the first thing that you need when you're starting a business is, is a logo and not just, and I remember when Colorworks started, we have this hideous logo. I mean, it was sort of word art and, you know, no one really took us seriously. And imagine if we could design a beautiful logo for a startup business that would just, they would be so proud of and it would give them the courage and the confidence to just go out there then and, you know, meet new clients with a professionally designed logo. And that's how 67 Logos was born. And last year we handed over 67 beautifully designed logos and we're going to be doing it again this year so we're going to be calling for entries in the next couple of months and this is absolutely the legacy that I want to leave is you know making a difference in the entrepreneurial um, in, in entrepreneurial businesses as you know the stats Ross two out of every three businesses fail within their first two to three years how can we help them you know just change that statistic and help them become sustainable and successful and that is our little bit to, towards that that's amazing so so did you literally did your team do all 67 logos or, or how did that work so this is where this is where when you do something good, you know, the universe kind of conspires to help you. Ross, it was incredible. We put, I think there's a, there's a, um, a platform for creatives and my creatives will know it, but I mean, it's, it's a platform we called for creatives to come and help us. And suddenly we almost had 67 designers and 67 companies. It was ridiculous. So we had designers, you know, remotely. Yes, I want to help. And, you know, for a freelancer, and lots of them were freelancers, some of them were from businesses, and they all put up their hands and said, absolutely no problem. So they collaborated with the 67 businesses to create them a logo. And, you know, not only did we did the freelancers and my team and everybody 
also train them how to give a brief. You know, what's the personality? What are the colors? And, and I think these companies really came out with a sense of, wow, you know, more than just the logo, you know, how to actually look at things differently, how to understand advertising and color and fonts and depending on the kind of business they were in. So they really got a lot more than I think just a logo. And we're going to be doing an impact assessment um, as well uh, in just before 67 Logos to go back to those companies and ask them, you know, what differences it actually made to them because we really want to continue and, and grow this this product and this and this brand within our brand. I mean, I find it very interesting that you, you know, sort of, we often tell our clients to stay away from things like Mediva Day um, just because of how much noise um, comes with an event like that. Um, you know, so so many people, everybody and their and their dog are trying to kind of buy into a little bit of the the glory of the day. But I, I like how you've picked a slightly different approach and and you know tried to to make something that stands out. Yeah, I mean, you know, Numadiba stood for education as well, and I mean, education is a huge part of you know what I believe in as well. So I we did have that exact discussion. And you're absolutely right. There is a lot of noise, but we just wanted to make the loudest noise. So, because <laughs> if you can do that, then that's quite cool. <laughs> so, so if you're going to go for the noise, then you you at least need to um, uh, make the loudest noise. Yeah. Is that your your advice? To absolutely. <laughs> we got over five million rands worth of PR for, for our campaign, and you know it was really deemed as a huge success all round. So, so we will be redoing it. It's definitely going to be something that CWDR will will continue into the future. And what was amazing, Ross, is that Designers Inc. So CWDR comes from Colorworks and Designers Inc. And Designers Inc. were our partners for 67 Logos in Johannesburg. And you know, part of the beauty of them running it there and us running it there, that we could see how. Um, similarly, we ran the events, how similarly how we were aligned, how they just got on board immediately. And that to me was almost, you know, sealed the deal. Yeah, I think that's such a, an important point you bring up there is how in these kind of big deals, it's, you know, sort of a dating process or a trial basis is so important um, because everything can always look so great on paper. And even when you meet people, that can sound amazing. Um, but you know that the, nothing nothing speaks harder than than uh, an experience or a, a project that you sort of work on together. Was this a, an an accident or was it deliberately done? No, no, no. It was deliberately done, and and exactly what you say. And I think you know, just referring to one of your previous questions, you know, what was one of the things that um was the success of this merger is that we did date and that we did do projects together. Obviously, 67 Logos was a huge one, but we would do other projects and test each other on, you know, they would have a, something here in Cape Town and they would test us. We would have something in Joburg and vice versa, we would test them. And there were some pains, I'm not saying it was all smooth sailing, but through, you know, honest communication and really giving good feedback, we, um, we got through those and, and the merger went ahead. So that was very important is that dating process. And I mean, now, how do you how do you balance all your EO commitments? Because you're still quite uh, involved in EO and merge companies and design 67 logos for people and travel to Joburg all the time. How do you fit all this in? Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's about time management and also, you know, doing what's important and, you know, 
learning from from other great entrepreneurs only do I and mean, one of the great sayings that um, I learned from one of the ITBs only do what only you can do and delegate the rest and I've got quite good at that you know I mean only I could have really put this merger together only I can really go and see our top clients and and do that kind of thing but if there's something I can delegate you know I need to empower my team I need to uplift them one of our, our strategies for this year our winning moves is that leadership development you know we rise by lifting others so as I've been able to learn and grow so I've you know managed to impart some of my knowledge and mentor my staff and um so it creates more time you know and i'm doing the things that i love i mean as you know i'm part of the launch uh, um, launch team and launching chapters in africa and we're looking at almost three or four chapters hopefully we're going to launch this year and you know but it goes towards living the brand you know inspiring those co connections and you know meeting new people through eo and you know the unintended consequences of that could be, you know, that we um, we launch a, a CWDI in Africa somewhere, or you know, on the global uh, in the, in one of our global um, countries that EO is, and through the connections that we make. So I think the one feeds the other. So that's why EO has just been so massively. Um, important in my life because a I wouldn't have had the courage and boldly gone and done all of this without EO and you know I just think it's taught me so much to uh, you know believe in myself and 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 you know live the values that are so of the EO values that are so important and just you know be a better leader and a better person that's that's so lovely to hear um you know, we interviewed Renan on the podcast a couple of episodes ago and he launched an entire business in India because he decided to try and help set up Accelerator in India and through the journey of of going through India and launching all these chapters or all these Accelerator chapters, he, he met the people who allowed him to bring his business to India. So it is that kind of unintended consequence can be amplified if you if you put, put some effort in. Absolutely. Totally. And how do you, I mean, how do you, you know, so now are you saying that you, you're training and investing in your staff? How do you connect back the value you find in EO and in experiences like Forum and RLA? How do you practically bring that back to your business and, and get it, you know, get it into the heads and hearts of the people that you, you're leading in your organization? So, um, so what's been amazing is um, Janine, who is my uh, TIC and our MD in Cape Town, and, and actually, um, the, in fact, she's now COO of the group. So she's on the key exec program, and she is um, all the accelerator strategy days and the people day that they had at the beginning of January. Um, you know, she obviously has access to. So it's just so amazing that all of the things that um, I've been learning you know, I can now, um, she has access to, and a lot of that is now being implemented into the business. So all the things that, uh, the, the, the structure, the thinking, the, the things that we've learned and that I've learned along the way, she's now learning through the accelerator program because there's an alignment with the key exec program and the accelerator program. And it's been unbelievable. And some of our sponsors as well, I mean, 10X, you know, we've all been on the 10X course, um, so many things that you know I've learned and grown with in EO, I've implemented into the business, and anything that I've had access to that's been I've 
believe has been you know worthwhile i've given them um exposure to and and yeah it's really really helped us uh, grow this business um i, I love that idea of, uh, of taking your team through the different learnings with you and uh, you know I've, I've got two people from my company in the um in the 2IC forum. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there's a special forum for people who are not necessarily the founder or owner of the business, but are running it. Um, they get to join in a forum and, and participate in the EO experience um, as a benefit to the members. You know, So I've taken advantage of that and I've seen huge benefit for the people that we've put through. Totally invaluable, Ross, really amazing. So I mean now, like, what's ne- what's next? What do you? Ah, what's you, in my lane? You haven't done a, you haven't done enough yet. So so what's <laughs> next? So I think um you know growth, but not at the um expense of quality, is definitely going to be part of my my mandate. Is first settling Joburg. I mean I think that that's really got to be making sure the integration is a success, and we've given ourselves a year for that. So that's very much part of our winning moves this year is making sure that the integration happens, that, you know, the policies, the, the, the uh, processes, all that we've got right here in Cape Town um, that we put into Johannesburg and the things that they're doing well, that we then integrate them here into Cape Town and, and just streamlining all the systems and creating the efficiencies. I think that's going to be, um, that's going to be very important to us is create those efficiencies. And then in my lane as well is, you know, mergers and acquisitions as then looking to um, look at companies um, around the, the world in Africa specifically um, that could complement our services and um, I think that's going to be my next uh, my next challenge is to go and look for those kinds of businesses that we believe that you know can form part of our group one day, and uh, yeah, and grow, and uh, be awesome. Be awesome. So, so your <laughs> your strategy for for growth is is through acquisition to find people with complementary services and add them into the the fold. Yeah, you know, Ross, I've had a bad experience with trying to, um, you know, kind of do it myself, as it were, and then I learned some hard lessons and expensive lessons there. So I think in my kind of business, I'm not saying that's a strategy that everybody can adopt, but certainly in my kind of business, um, you know, uh, that's worked better for me. And uh, so, yeah, I think now that uh, I'm going to take this year, I've been told by my Exco team to slow down a bit, Les, can we just like, you know, <laughs> bid the one up? in the next direction because <laughs> I'm like okay who else can we buy <laughs> but I think it's just slow down you know make sure that this integration is successful and then step and repeat and I think that you know take the learnings and then short and then implement the shortcuts I, I like that implement the shortcuts um, <laughs> I was listening to a TED talk uh, this morning um, I'll post a link in the show notes where the man was um, putting down the idea that you should uh have two kinds of strategies you should have a 10 or 20 year strategy so kind of like the looking up strategy and then you should have yeah. the the six months to a year implementation strategy and all that is is around what are the three or four i think you called them uh, big wins that you can do that will move us towards our 10 or 20 year strategy um, yeah, and, and focus on nothing else because i think a yeah. lot of people do um uh, dipstick strategy which is once a year you all get together you create a strategy everyone feels really good and then you go back to the office and do the same thing you've always been doing um 
without looking back at that document ever again. No, I promise you, it lives on my computer. I have a printout on my desk. And I mean, that is what I focus on. Those winning moves and how are we going to get, you know, to um, to our next... Uh, it, it, it's absolutely vital that 90% of my work is on the strategy and how are we going to, you know, as you say, move forward. But um, it's got to be a live document and you've got to live it and breathe it. I mean, we've just spent the last week really instilling now the, the new values of the two businesses, you know, taking what they had, taking what we had, and, you know, to have that vision, be vision-led, but be driven by our values. And that came through very strongly on the people there that Janine um, went to at the beginning of January is now how do we make sure that the value our behaviors, we hire on them, we fire on them, we make sure that we absolutely, you know, instill these values in the business so that we can then be driven by our values, but actually, you know, led by our vision. And and that to me is, is critical. And do you see your role? Are you the one that's fanatically running around talking about the vision and sharing the vision with everyone all the time? Yes, absolutely. I share it at every month end. I share it whenever I can. I do a Monday motivation where I, I kind of pick a, a, a value or a, um, a behavior and I kind of share that with the team. So that is definitely the flag that I'm flying. I'm responsible for, you know, in making sure that, that we are uh, for the vision of the business and we, the, the boat is being steered in the right direction. That was absolutely amazing. And thank you. I think that's a great um, note to, to end the podcast off on. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Leslie. Absolute pleasure, Ross. It's lovely to be able to chat to you and uh, talk about things that I love. Yeah. You and my business. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Radio, a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. Um, I'm your host, Ross, and we have our our host at large, Rich Marland, who's probably somewhere in South America right now. So, Rich, we miss you. Um, shout out to our wonderful sponsors who Leslie gave a brilliant plug to earlier. Bidvest McCarthy, Bidvest Car Hire, Execcare, and 10XE. You guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you for everything you do for EO. If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from hearing from this, if they're looking to merge or are in the middle of a merger, please share this with them. I think sharing knowledge so people can grow is one of the greatest things you can do. Um, and if you would like to join the Entrepreneurs Organization, go to eonetwork.org and you will find out everything you need to find out. Thank you very much and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, Leslie. Cheers, Ross. Bye.